1: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: One of the most striking um, emotions that I experienced when we first moved was this endless relief of having said, I'm opting out. I'm not. A, I don't want to be part of this race anymore. It's not benefiting me, my mental health, my well-being whatsoever. I. It just leaves me feeling like a loser. Uh, like whatever you do, you can't ever do enough. Uh, that's not where my happiness is. So by by choosing this, I guess you can call it alternative lifestyle. I feel like I've chosen. We've chosen ourselves instead. Uh, of this vain search for what, really?
3: I think it was about a year ago that this Instagram account popped up on my radar. It was called Live Slow, Run Far, and it instantly felt like something that I really should dig deeper into. There was this couple behind it, and at the time I didn't know exactly their story, but I knew that at least one of them was from the U.S., Their images of gardening and long runs out in the Stockholm archipelago had my attention for sure, and after some time I reached out and asked if we should maybe grab a coffee sometime. Now you are about to hear the outcome of that first coffee. A long interview about the transition from a hectic life in New York City to a live-slow-run-far lifestyle, far away from the norm. My name is Magnus Ormstad, and this is episode 28 of the international series of the Swedish outdoor podcast Husky. Husky is made possible thanks to Naturkompaniet. If you want to know more about this episode and the previous ones, please head over to huskypodcast.com. Or find me on Facebook and Instagram at the handle huskypodcast.
4: Thank you. Oh. So that's that. We, we were sort of prepping um, yesterday. We were sitting out in sun chairs. It was a nice day. And we were prepping for this. Like kind of just talking about, like trying to remember things and stories, things that have happened. And we we just kept on coming up with thing after thing. And we're like, we should call Magnus and... Uh, Tell him book it for four hours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this might be a two part. Plan the sequel.
4: Plan <laughs> exactly, the sequel. Exactly. <laughs> part two. Then we started thinking maybe we should start our own podcast.
2: <laughs> just so. tell our story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we would just be telling you know yeah. the stories that we find interesting. Maybe yeah. no one else yeah. would.
3: <laughs> yeah, you should. It's um, it's a good. Your name works for a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, maybe it does. Live
3: Slow Run Far podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's,
2: it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good.
3: <laughs> How did you? Uh, who who came
4: up with the name?
2: Oh, I um, I actually remember exactly where where we were when we came up with it. Do you remember? No, like, I have
4: no idea. I yeah, have a pretty poor memory. <laughs> i <Okay>. li- living <laughs> in the moment like a true <laughs> engineer. Uh, unlike <laughs> unlike my uh, my wife here, uh, who has a memory of of an elephant. Can I can I say yeah. they they have really good yeah. memories? I I have a very good um visual memory I can remember pictures things like that if it's written I can remember but dates uh, like large events I sort of forget about like our <laughs> wedding for example no, and, so, you do, no. a and you do remember
3: coming to Sweden you are, in, <laughs> no, do. You, you are in Sweden now
4: I do actually this this is a funny side note but um, when in order for Sophia to uh, stay in America after we got married she had to get her green card and one of a big part of that process, and is, it's a
2: big process.
4: <laughs> yeah, is they they interview us to make sure that we're legitimately in love and it's a real marriage because they see so many fake marriages, yeah. people just trying to get U.S. citizenships. And in preparation for this interview, I was so afraid that I would forget something or screw something up um, <laughs> <laughs> that I, I had to create a whole. Like timeline of our relationship, from from when we met until that point, just so I wouldn't screw anything up. Including that timeline, also was like family trees. On the side.
0: <laughs> like so, that is so
4: romantic. And I, I, know, right?
0: I, was, I was <laughs> Don't I feel it. special?
4: <laughs> I, I was studying it in the elevator on the way up to this interview, but you had to check to make sure everything was... Uh, yeah, you correct.
2: like, Mike like read through it. and I was like, that was not in 2014. I was like, that was in 2012. <laughs> you know what? Like, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it be,
3: wouldn't it have been fun if they had somehow like found that? Um, I know.
2: <laughs>
5: I Time like, drop the then, note or exactly. something? Exactly. <laughs> then
3: you would definitely, like, they would, no green card for oh you. <laughs> we
2: were interviewed by this, I think she was Chinese, uh a little lady. She was, like, sitting behind this big desk. And, and we were so nervous because you hear so many horror stories of people, like, you know, their their applications just being denied and everything. Um and then we walked in and we're like, okay, well, she looks kind of nice. And she looked through our paperwork like, looked up at us. And then she looked down and she's like, oh, you guys are even the same age. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think we're in the clear if that's, like, a really good thing, you know, to begin with. But, okay, <laughs> we're sort of the same age. That's good. That's good. And after that, she Getting really the stamp just... after that. Exactly. She really just asked us a few, like, standard questions. Like, she asked me where Mike worked and... If you had ever been to Sweden, and then you said yes a few times, she was like, "Oh, how was it?"
4: (laughs) So she
2: was pretty casual in the end. It was a long, it was a long journey.
4: Yeah, and of course, I read things online and horror stories and things that they asked you. Like they would ask you, like, what side of the toilet is a toilet paper on on your wife's, like mother's bathroom, yeah, or something like that. So I, I had like, I'm going to screw that up, and they're going to (laughs) know. But no, we pa- we passed the test there. We
5: passed the test. Um, yeah. So
4: I, I think I was starting to say, my, my memory as far as events and things like that isn't, isn't the best. She's oh, that's the, right. She's the one who remembers everything.
2: Because you started talking about the Liz Far and name. Yeah.
4: Actually, in preparation for this interview, um, I went and reread all of uh, Sophia's blog posts on our website. <laughs> um, <laughs> just so I could remember and make sure I got all the facts right about our, our whole story, how we met. Um, like, moving to Sweden, all, like, the struggles we had, like, a- everything, just so I wouldn't, you know, misspeak <laughs> and, and say anything wrong. <laughs> Actually, well, It's I, a
2: testament to ambition.
4: But in there, we don't explain where we came up with uh, Live So Run Far. We don't. Maybe
3: we will, during the course of the interview, maybe we will find out. <laughs> or you can just make something up.
2: About the name? About the name, yeah. Oh, please, I remember the story.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs>
2: no, as a matter of fact, the whole thing started out as a, uh, as a hashtag because we were, we were thinking like, oh, it could be fun to come up with a hashtag that could potentially catch on, something that we can use for each and every post that we post. Um, and around there, we were like, very soon, I think, we started thinking about like the living slowly, um, but we also had, you know, eating green as a part of that, or like, I guess running for, we did not want the fast. That's a, a, a hashtag I feel like we don't really resonate with, mm-hmm. but anyway, and then we just went on this long walk, and I think it was actually right around the time of Ultra Ball Sound last year,
5: because
2: mm-hmm. um, I think we were shaking out the legs, but just going for a walk, and and then we were playing around with the grammar. Like, should it be living slowly, running far? And then uh, the slow run just far, clicked. just like, okay, that's, that's, that's it. Because we felt like the live slow and run far can be interpreted in many different ways, all of which sort of apply. Like, live slow. I mean, you can really fit a lot under that umbrella. And also running far or, or run far because, like, we want this planet to run far. We want us to be able to run far. We want...
3: Mm-hmm. You've put some. thoughts. you know, you've like, put Yeah. S- put some thoughts.
2: Yeah, into. and then it just felt right, and it's like kind of short and snappy, even though it has four mm-hmm. words and looked good as a website address, and
3: mm-hmm.
2: that's the story.
3: So, um, Michael and Sophia. Yes. Where do you come from? Start starting with you, Sophia. Ladies first.
2: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Born and raised in Stockholm. Um,
3: oh, I was like a city girl, or. A- no,
2: um, Björkagen, so right south of, of uh, Södermal.
3: Close to Nacka Reservatet.
2: Exactly, exactly, where I did yeah. all my orienteering as a little girl. Uh, yeah, so I, I was born and raised out there and lived there until I moved out to the archipelago as a 19-year-old mm-hmm. because I got myself in a position where I had a horse to take care of. Wow. Um, ended up buying a horse that had been severely mistreated and it's not really easy like to, a rescue horse exactly exactly um, and there aren't that many affordable boarding options for horses in the city uh, so I moved out to what was then my family's summer or vacation home um, out there and then I lived there sort of in between travels and then as I when I was 25 I moved to New York um, and then
3: the, we, we will get to that I was to the say, New York part exactly,
2: <laughs> and then back here. So but but you I'm did
3: from. you did orienteering as a kid, that,
2: just as a part of school. Ah, okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. The regular, okay, okay. the regular
3: stuff. But w- what was your relation to um, well both sports training and uh, and also free lift sleeve? Yeah. The um, the, um, the great outdoors, the great like the outdoor life. Yeah, is, is, would you say that there is a good translation to sleep into no. English?
2: No, I think there is. You can say the outdoors, but that feels too narrow to me as a as a as a label. I think "fjällösliv" just includes a lot more. Uh, I think it just, I don't know. It implies so many positive yeah. things, and that I feel like the outdoors just doesn't really do.
3: Maybe we never really stop to think that actually we have a, just the fact that we have a specific word for exactly. that. Exactly. I mean, that really, really uh, is a testament t- to that being a part of the culture. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Um, well, I, I've i been into horses. Like, I've been a horse girl my whole life. So that was my sport, um, which is definitely something I, I feel like people forget sometimes is a real sport, too. Mm. Well, it was a lot of hard work. Um, so that I started with when I was around eight. Um, and I was doing that until I was 23.
3: Um, it takes a lot of time.
2: A lot of time. A lot of determination and, mm-hmm. and dedication when above she, all.
4: When she describes to me the amount of work that she did, caring for horses and dealing with horses and, and everything, I'm just amazed that someone at that age could do all of that work, like the carrying the water, just the waking up early, everything. It's just it's so much.
2: I think it really fosters a special type of character, to be honest. Yeah. I, I really do. Um, and then my family, like we would go skiing every year. Um, we spent every every free moment we had out in the archipelago. So Because being, you had the house. There. you had the house exactly. well, that was Ixland. Exactly. Ixland. Ixland. Mm-hmm. Um my parents bought a property there. In 1988, when I was just seven months old, um, built their own house, and that was just our little paradise for my whole my whole life. Did
3: you have a boat there as well? Or yeah, not like from the beginning, e-ca. but
2: no, actually a a, a motor okay, motor boat, okay. yeah, yeah. like a hardtop motor
3: boat. Mm-hmm.
2: From when I was maybe around eight ten years old, somewhere around there, we bought that, mm-hmm. and we actually just sold it, Mike and I. That, oh, so that, that was very the same boat. boat. That, that was okay, the okay, boat. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, hoping to replace that now and get kayaks instead. Yeah, yeah that's the plan. We'll get to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, uh, but were you we weren't like hardcore outdoors people. I think it's not like we packed up the tent and went hiking for days as no. a family, mm-hmm. but being outside, being mm. close to nature
5: well,
3: uh,
2: has always been a huge part. Came natural for you. Yeah, very
3: Um much. But were you an active kid? Like, did you. Partaking like football and like uh, it was oh no, it, of course it was the horses. Yeah, yeah. it was the it was yeah. you know five six oh. days a week. Yeah,
2: from, from a very early age, mm-hmm. um, but active for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Any
3: um, like cardio endurance sport, uh, sports besides that, or
2: um, running pretty early on, mm-hmm.
3: um, as a as just for fun, yeah. or as a part of yeah. something.
2: No, more as as a just a way of getting outside, uh, even more. I would run a lot in the summers out on Ixlan. Um and then I did fairly well in school too. You know, when you have those like timed, like three k, five k, seven k runs. Mm-hmm. And orienteering was fun too, but mm-hmm. that was really more in the in the school environment. Um, yeah.
3: And Michael, yes, come from a quite different background than than me and... Uh, Sofia for instance yes, I come from New york the kind of the blueprint of all urban areas mm-hmm. in a way <laughs> it, it is it uh, is like the the you know I've been to New York two times and it's you can't avoid like feeling that this is the this is the original metropolitan big city
4: th- there's really no place like no. it um it, it's hard to describe why there's some type of energy there. You no, know, no, it like, hits you the first time you you get there. It it
3: really affects you, I think. Yeah,
4: and it's just this opportunity that everyone has once they get there to to do to like make it. Um, that I, I don't know if it exists anywhere else.
2: Everyone arrives with a dream, I think.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was um, I was born um, in New York City in Manhattan. Um my parents had a an apartment in the Upper West Side, just a few blocks from Central Park, um, and my dad worked on the Upper East Side for a company called Sotheby's. and after a few years living there, my parents realized that it might not be the best place to raise a child, so we moved about a half an hour north to uh, the suburbs to a town called Hawthorne, New York, in Westchester County. and that's where I grew up in. Um, spent my whole childhood until I went away to college, and it's a Hawthorne. I I guess to simplify things, you could describe it as a typical American suburban town with the picket fences, the (laughs) manicured lawns, and the white picket fences, and kids playing on the street, (laughs) basketball hoops, and (laughs) things like that. And it really was a a great place to grow up, and um, I I loved it there. I mean,
3: you, you, you said your your parents didn't think that uh, growing up on Manhattan would be a good thing for you. Like, what aspects of growing up there didn't they like? Because it was it wasn't that long. I mean, you're not that old, but I, be, I guess when you were a kid, the New York was a bit more shady and rough than it is. Like
4: it maybe, and it's it's it's, it's hard to be comfortable yeah. in New York unless you're making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, like the super rich, but I, I think the general consensus is um, most people move to the suburbs to raise a family. Yeah. Not many people families stay to raise their kids in in the city,
2: unless you can afford a pretty townhouse,
4: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> pretty much. Um, and that's a pretty view.
4: And they also, at the time, were thinking about having a second child, which they did. My brother Max, um, he's four years younger, and. You could get a bigger house and more fresh air, <coughs> um, better school systems. Um, yeah, and I, they both. Oh, no my my mother grew up in a suburban neighborhood. Um, my dad spent the first portion of his life living actually in Manhattan, um, and then they moved moved away. So I don't know if that had any impact in it, but no, I, I certainly enjoyed. Growing up in the suburbs,
3: but w- what was it? Um, if if you should try to uh, explain your take on fiddy lift sleeve,
4: <laughs> the American, the American, it doesn't exist. No. Really, it's not ingrained into everybody. Um, like people are into the outdoors, and but those are the people that are into the outdoors. Yeah. Um, it, it's really a, a separate thing. It's not here. It's I get the feeling that everyone. Everyone has the outdoors and nature as part of them, and it's ingrained into their, you know, through their culture, into their being. Um, and while there are tons of people in America that love the outdoors and spend a lot of time outdoors, it it's not as prevalent as it is here. Hmm. I actually, I'm I'm taking a, a Swedish class um, online right now, and one of the is part of the oral exam, um, which I passed. I still can't speak Swedish very well. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that was just the first class. And the question was, cool um, What do you think is cool in Sweden? Or like fun? fun? And my answer was, um, free leave Because it doesn't exist mm. um, in America in that same way.
3: Would you say, Do you think that like socioeconomic factors place in in a bigger way, like in the U.S. Then again, it's 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 hard to talk about the U.S. as because it's it's, it's so like diverse. it's like talking yeah. about Europe, you know, yeah. because it's yeah. so
4: big and it's so mm-hmm. there's a lot of variations. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, if I was from Colorado, for example, exactly. and you asked me that question, yeah, I yeah, might have yeah. said, "Oh, absolutely." It's mm. it's just ingrained into yeah. Colorado it's life true. and culture. But growing up in and around a, a big metropolitan city like New York, it, it's it's really not.
2: And I think the socioeconomic Mm -hmm. factors do play in, too, because I think, I mean, if you're if you're now well off, you might not be able to afford that field trip or no. or go to camp or whatever. I mean, camp is a huge part of, of young Americans' exposure to mm-hmm. feel or at least Band the great camp. outdoors. Yeah, exactly. But some <laughs> as people, we've seen yeah. on
3: Hollywood productions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh.
2: But a lot of people have super... I mean, I think, like, as a Swede, you think camp is horrible because, it. like, I think at least I had this idea of, like... Camp being this place for for busy parents to, like, basically get rid of their kids for the (laughs) whole extent of the summer. And that Mm. was their only chance of, like, getting to see trees and swim and all that. And that's something I've definitely learned is not true. Mm. There are a lot of people, one of which is actually your mom, who has, like, the fondest memories of camp summers. Mm. That was, like, the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of people who can't afford that. (laughs) And then, of course, those kids end up in a position where fitness is not a part of school. I mean, here I would say it's a part of school. Like, you do field trips out yeah, into yeah, the yeah. woods, and you pack your lunch. And, <clears throat> and Well, you know,
4: when you told me that you did orienteering as part of your school program, I just I yeah. couldn't believe that. And cross-country skiing, um, And cross-country too. skiing. <laughs> I mean, I guess we do we do archery as part of our program. <laughs> archery? I don't, I don't know why we do <laughs> wow. archery, but we do all the normal things. Baseball, like, uh-huh. basketball, everything. But art, archery is in there. It's... Uh, I don't it's know why. The right to defend your land. Exactly. Old style. But I wish that I had some orienteering skills from school. Um, but you're a damn good, damn fine archer now. Exactly.
2: <laughs> Hunts with bow and arrow. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a target stand prop- propped
4: up on, <laughs> on your property? No, no. <laughs> But I, I did have a dartboard um, for a uh, while when I see. was in college and, and <laughs> when I had an apartment and was living the bachelor life in, in New York City. <laughs> did but but did, you, did
3: you go to, like, or what was happening around you, like, growing up? What, did you have friends like the Boy
4: Scouts or whatever? Like? The Boy Scouts wasn't too popular in my neighborhood. I mean, the, the big things that kids did growing up were um, play sports. Um, I was really into soccer um, growing up. I mean, every single child um, growing up in America pretty much plays like soccer at a young age, and then after a few years, I don't know, it's not popular anymore to play soccer, and kids move on to other sports. But I, I really loved it, and that became a large portion of my childhood. I was never good. I, I don't think I could have made it professionally if I really tried. But it, I did play at a competitive level um, for club teams and things like that, and then I went on to play. Um, in high school, but that that was a, a large portion of my life, and I think most kids growing up in the suburbs have have sports as yeah as part of their childhood, whether it's basketball or mm. baseball or American. Football. But you didn't have any anything that really uh, um
3: that gave you a, a, a kind of a, a, a connection to nature,
4: really. N- not really. Um, my my family wasn't the um, most outdoorsy. Like we spent some time going to nature reserves and walking around, but hmm. we didn't go on any adventures. Um, about an hour north of where I grew up is some great hiking, um, hmm. where Sophie and I actually spent a lot of time when we were training for our first trail race. And but we didn't spend too much time my family um, exploring that. I'm not sure why. I think I think there's so much else going on in the New York area. Yeah. Um, <clears throat>
2: and your parents are really into culture and stuff like that, so mm. you sort of had maybe a different focus as mm-hmm. you were
3: growing up—more museums and theaters and stuff. A lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 because the, the the other big thing of your in, in your life at this moment is of course like the harvesting and the, <laughs> and uh, uh, growing stuff and stuff like that. Do you did you have anything?
4: Did you have any relations to that growing up? No, my family never had a garden, but my, my grandfather on my mother's side, Papa Ernsty was his name, he, he had a small garden in their house, and there's this photograph that my mom took of me and him planting uh, green beans. <laughs> and I, there was just something about that photo that stuck with me that made me think one day I, I will... Be involved in in gardening in some way. Have your hands in the, in the soil. Have my hands in the soil. I, I still like to joke. I don't have a green thumb at all. She's the one mm-hmm. who who has the talent in the <laughs> in, in the gardening, or maybe she has the work ethic for it.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's more the latter.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Never gives up. Uh, but, stubborn. <laughs> two years ago or a year ago, when we first started our garden um, at our house, now was the first was the first time I really. Um, got my hands in the soil and, and tried gardening. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> when we were living in New York, um, we lived in a, a really small studio apartment. Like, <coughs> you could stretch your arms across and touch each wall. It was um, that
2: 27 square meters. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm. People thought we were crazy for even wanting to live together in this apartment. Everyone was like, you shouldn't do it. It's going to be the, the end <laughs> the of your relationship. <laughs> we didn't even have a closet. All of our clothes were hung on racks on the walls. But we, I,
2: we lived there for almost five years together. Wow.
4: Well, yep. So yep. <laughs> we, did, we did attempt um, a little bit of gardening there. We wanted to grow <laughs> some fresh herbs. So we, we had like a small like tray and we tried maybe, I think, what, what herbs were we growing?
2: We, we tried growing um, chives, cilantro, and parsley, I think.
4: Uh-huh.
3: Like, indoors, he didn't ex- have, like, a balcony. F- no, no, balcony, it gets better. Fr- like French balcony. It,
2: no, no balconies. No. Oh, God. <laughs> we had a fire escape, but you weren't allowed out of that. <laughs> we had put that flange on there. The, I don't know who would have come and told us <laughs> to take it down. No, no, we climbed all the stairs up to the top and went out on the roof. Mm-hmm. And we thought we were so smart. We're like, awesome sun exposure. No animals will find this. What? I I don't know who we were kidding there at that point. No animals, like... It's a
4: roof. Things fly. <laughs> but
2: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, we put it up there, and we were so pleased. and
4: We, we, we had grown these from seeds and nursed did, them for, like, months. We did? Wow. We did. Yeah. Oh, in, that's in true. In the we did. Mm-hmm. we
2: did. We did.
4: Um, so they were finally popping up, and it was, like, maybe they were five centimeters high or something, and we were like, okay, it's time to bring them up to the roof. So and we
2: did that, and it was a walk-up building, and the, the stairs were I don't know. Not necessarily safe to walk. They would not were, have been approved in this country. I don't absolutely think you were not. even
4: legally allowed to be on the roof. No, I don't think so. <laughs> it, was th- only, it was.
2: I felt like you could almost fall through. Like if you just stepped in the wrong spot. But
4: it's New York, so people like have parties it's, up there. Oh, yeah, they chairs up there you know, there's. I think there was a barbecue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> course, yeah.
2: yeah. And we put that up. We put the planter up there, and then, then I think for like a few days, I was going up there. Climbing all those stairs every day to water those darn plants. And then one day I came up and I was like, where where did all the plants go? I mean, there was no trace <laughs> of any plants ever being in that planter before. They had just been completely like eradicated.
3: Pige- pigeons had a party.
2: Exactly. And then we were like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> we're like in pigeon land. <laughs> pigeons are everywhere. Yeah. Um, it could have been rats. It could have been rats. Of course, I don't know they're if, also everywhere, they sh- but... They
3: probably
4: shared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was a,
2: it was a feast, a shared yeah. feast for sure. Um, so I guess that was the first gardening project we had. Yeah. I, I didn't really grow up with any of... Mm. I mean, we had like in front of the house, like a couple of roses and there was mm. a jash- jasmine
3: bush mm. and that kind of stuff. You didn't harvest potatoes.
2: I Maybe potatoes a few summers, okay, okay, but... Okay, okay. And then mm. they all... There is an apple tree from when I was a kid mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but no large scale whatsoever that's entirely new everyone around us is like where are you guys getting this from <laughs> but uh, we love it.
3: What, what what brought you to to uh, new york
2: um i i had been traveling a lot um sort of back and forth and all over the place trying to find myself and figure out what i wanted to do and then i um I decided that I was going to go to law school in Stockholm, but I wanted to do this this last thing before settling down and doing all that. Um, and I, I, I just had this conviction that I needed to go to New York. I had not traveled to big cities before. I was all about, like, rafting in Costa Rica and, like, <laughs> camping in New Zealand, that whole thing, and, and not at all seeking out any metropolitan areas. And then I... Um, I don't know, I just couldn't not go. It was like, a, it sounds silly and like something I'm just making up now. In,
3: um, something, something. It was, some, it was a magnet. Hmm.
2: I had to go. So I was like, okay, this is going to be my last like adventure before going back to school. So uh, I just signed up for an English class just to have something there and to get myself a, a student visa so I could stay for four months. Um, and then I just ended up renting an airbnb apartment in the east village and i took off and i was pretty nervous and didn't really know what i was doing i i have this feeling that i left with this like something inside of me saying that this 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 might be something more than just a little trip uh and yeah that that was the reason why i went so I, i went to take this class and then i um i moved into that apartment got the flu. Right away, like completely knocked out. (coughs) So sick. Um, And then I I went out to go to the store, like two weeks after. And this guy came in. You you,
3: you opened the door into the hallway, and there there he was. I I opened the
2: door, and I turned around to lock the door, and as I was locking the door, the door from the street opened. And this guy comes in. Of course, he's wearing a Yankees hat and sunglasses. And I was like, "This is so cool."
4: <laughs> I'm not even that into baseball. No. I just think the Yankees hat is cool.
2: <laughs> and to me, I was like, "This is the epitome of New Yorkers." I can't believe this is happening. Anyway, you could, you, so, you
3: could hear you could hear the theme music from Friends playing. Right, right, absolutely, now. absolutely. <laughs> and I'm
2: a big fan of Friends too. Uh, so I was locking my door, in and then this guy walks up. The stairs and, and starts to unlock the door right behind me. So the door that's facing my door, and I'm just like, there's this silence going on, and then this guy turns around and he uh, shakes my hand and he says, "My name is Michael, by the way." I'll <laughs> never forget those words. And, <laughs> Apparently, I was smooth. Yeah, <laughs> very smooth, <laughs> very very. And again, it sounds like something I'm making up, but as I shook his hand, I knew that I had. Met, met him. Met my person. Um,
4: it took me a few years <laughs> to realize. <laughs> no, that's not true. I, I <laughs> that knew, sounds awful. I knew. Like it. last week. Exactly. I, actually, exactly, yeah. I
2: finally, <laughs> I finally <laughs> realized.
4: <laughs> I knew from the beginning. I just, I just was playing it cool. I
2: think. Yeah, you, you played it very cool. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, I could, I could go on and tell this story forever, but. I, I just remember like walking out of the building and, and I called my mom and I was like, I, uh, I don't know how else to say this, but I think I met someone very significant. And she was like, wow. what? What's happening? Um, and then for about a week, I was pondering like, how on earth am I going to, I'm not a very forward person i'm naturally pretty shy and i keep to myself and i've never in a million years even thought to myself like
3: that you would stalk him
2: (laughs) 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 exactly no but like even the thought of like sort of trying to get a man's interest like that's not something i've ever done um that sounds so silly when i said it but it's true so I was like, what What could I do? And I talked to a few new friends I'd made there in my English class, and they were like, you should just, like, grab a few beers and, like, knock on his door and ask if he wants to hang out. And I was like, that sounds about, like, the last thing in the world that I would ever do. I was more thinking, like, maybe I can ask him if he has a potato peeler <laughs> or, like, like, a box grater. Then he'll learn that I'm into cooking, and maybe he'll like it too. <laughs> so... A few weeks after, it was the Super Bowl, and I was like, this is my chance. So I wrote this little note where I said, hi, this is Sophia from across the hall. Do you happen to know of any bars you could go to and watch the game?
3: Nudge, nudge.
2: Exactly. And, like, <coughs> thinking to myself, I've never, barely even been to a bar my whole life. I've never watched American football, but <laughs> sure, I'll go for it. And I, I taped it to his door, and then I just took, a like, a two-hour-long walk, and I was... So nervous and thinking, oh, my God, what did I do? Like, what if he's in a relationship? What if there's a woman in there that's going <laughs> to come out and see this note? I don't know. Um, I came back from the walk, and the note was still up. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, should I just take it down? But I didn't. I left it up. As I came into the apartment, I hear his door open. He comes out and then immediately knocks on my door. And I was like, I can't open. So I just, <laughs> I just stood in there. <laughs> And the floors were very creaky, so I had to stand very still, because otherwise he would hear me. So I was just standing there like I was frozen. Uh, and and then my heart was beating so fast. And then he, like, waited for a few seconds, and then he went back into his apartment. And I was like, <laughs> I escaped that one. <laughs> and then it was, like, maybe two minutes of, of Agony. trying, trying to, like, breathe. And then... I heard his door open again and then there was a note that just like flew in under the door. And I wanted to go like grab it right away, but I was like I can't move because of the floor's. <laughs> so I had to stand still until I heard him leave the actual building and walk out onto the street and then I I sort of ran to the note and there it said then like, in
3: big block letters. Yes. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it said uh I'm going to, like, my buddy's place, and we'd love to have you if you want to come. Like, here's my phone number. And I was like, oh, my God, like, can I do this? And I sent my mom a text, and I said, if, I, if you don't hear from me,
4: <laughs> this is where I am. <laughs> so, when, I, when I saw this note um, on my door, and, and I was contemplating what I, what I was going to do, I was convinced, because she had told me that she was here in America to do this, um... English course. So I was convinced that the teacher had given the students an assignment to spend the Super Bowl with an American. Like experience the <laughs> the American phenomenon of watching Super Bowl. So I could I was convinced that I was that the, that assignment had
3: just been turned into homework. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a very creative like interpretation. So I have like, to yeah, say. I'll help you
3: out. Like, there's no way
4: she could be interested in me. So it's, <laughs> it's got to be gotta like be, a school it's gotta project be or something. With that said, though, when I found out that she was coming, me and my one friend um, who I was going to watch the Super Bowl with, Neil, we uh, we really like, okay, we got to do this right and like show them like a real...
2: Because I was going to bring a friend from school because I yeah. didn't want to uh, go to myself. Yeah. So
4: of course, what do you do for the Super Bowl? You make hot buffalo wings, chicken wings with a spicy sauce and drink beer. That's like typical American Super Bowl <laughs> spread. So yeah. we... Show up a vegetarian, vegetarian
5: non-drinker. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, so she shows up and is a vegetarian and doesn't drink. Um, but we still really hit it off. That. Yeah,
2: we did. <laughs> and then, yeah, so we spent Super Bowl together and we walked home together from from Neil, um, which is about half an hour walk over to the East Village. Uh, and... I think, I think you, you, maybe you didn't really realize it then either, but there were a lot of things in common and Mm. just a a way of, a conversational flow that I've never experienced before. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah.
4: And here you are. The rest (laughs) is history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somehow. (laughs) then Ended up here.
2: Exactly. In a studio with you. <laughs>
3: um, how would you describe your lives in New York, like uh, a year or two before you uh,
4: moved to Sweden?
2: Incredibly stressful. Very busy. Yeah.
4: We we didn't get much time together um, at all. I was working a lot, and I had what we like to call the commute from hell. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. You really go. You you really have to. To tell us about that <laughs> because it's it's hard to believe.
4: So I, I have to start with, I after college I um my first job, um, working as an engineer, um I got a job for this company Altieri and they're a really good company, um, located in Connecticut, about an hour away from New York City. Hour by train, or uh, hour by train. Mm. And right after college, I was living. Um, with my parents and I, I drove to the office in Connecticut but after, after less than a year I moved into the city and I started commuting from Manhattan up to Connecticut every day and this entailed me walking probably 10 minutes to the subway taking the subway to Grand Central Station and then taking a commuter train an hour commuter train up to Connecticut where I would then uh, uh, either walk or take a bus. And that was like another 20 minutes. So I had two hours one way to get to work. Five days a week. Five days a week and then two hours to get home. Mm. Um, And that continued for the 10 years that I lived in New York. Um, It was... Many hours. I I really did. It it was a good job and I really liked working there. So I didn't see um, at the time... A reason why I should look for a job um, in Manhattan.
2: There was never incentive enough, it and, seemed and, like.
4: Yeah. But once I had met Sophia, and with this long commute, I realized that, you know, we only got a couple hours each night. I mean, we would get up every morning at, what time, 4.45? 4.45. 4.45 every morning, I would get up and shower, we would have breakfast, or I would have breakfast,
2: yeah, I, w- <laughs> I would make your breakfast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to say that. <laughs> so Sophia we're, would be we clear. were a
2: pretty, pretty good team. <laughs>
4: yeah, and then I would head off to work um, and then come back around 7 o'clock every night and dinner would be prepared. We'd eat dinner and then be so tired and go to sleep and start all over the next, hmm. the next day. And <coughs> Sophia, on top of taking care of me and my breakfast and dinner. <laughs> 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 was was also um, studying two college programs at the same time. So she was really stressed. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I ended up... I Most of my time in New York I actually was a student, um, which means a lot of work and absolutely no money. Um, and it's a pretty hard place to do that. But it wasn't until the last year or, or whole last year I, I worked. But um, yeah, for me to make it work with uh student visa and financial grants season all that stuff i ended up taking two full-time college programs one from sweden online and then one in new york On
3: um, um, nyu or
2: no it was a, a smaller a okay. smaller mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. uh nyu would have been way too expensive okay, okay. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah it's like <coughs> fifty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. <laughs> um but anyway, so I was a as a double full sti- full time student for almost four years, and I mean, I would never in a million years do it again. However, <laughs> of course, I don't regret anything because mm-hmm. otherwise things wouldn't have happened the way they happened, and all turned out pretty good. But um, I would say it was just so. As soon as Mike left at like five forty five in the morning, I mean, I just got straight to work, um, and I studied. Of course, from home uh, in the mornings, and then I went to school and then back home again and mm. studied more. Mm. So we had two different kinds of, of stressors, I guess, like yeah. uh, commuting and more career-related. And I was just trying to like meet all the deadlines and then doing all the work required. And I'm a, I'm a high achiever, so of course I, I worked hard um, to do well. At the time, I really don't think that we reflected much upon the way things were. I
4: mean, you just first accept of all, it kind yeah, of, the, so yeah, yeah, and like, this is what and life is, That's yeah, just what I mean. it's just yeah. normal. And so many of my friends, um, who actually whole, yeah, had whole. jobs, they could even walk to in, mm. in the city. They were working more 60, 80 hours a week. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, oh, I had it good. I get, I have to work normal forty-hour week, and then I get time to myself on the train. Yeah. So I, I was thinking that, oh, it's not, it's not and that the, bad. The
2: mentality it's is just absorbed mm. by um, career focus, insane work hours, like no free time, making a lot of money. I mean, it's it's just, I mean, I'm impressed by those who can do it for an entire work life, to yeah. be honest, but it was not for us.
3: But um, did, you, did you ever reach a point? Did you even get to a point where you feel like, where you st- suddenly started to feel like this was getting out of your hand? Or was it just what you said? It was. It came kind of gradual, and you kind of um, eased into it and accepted it.
2: No, or? there was a point, and the point was that uh, we we got married. Um, we took care of the legal business in New York and City Hall, um, uh, but then we had our real wedding in Sweden mm. and um, we we planned that without any thoughts on moving here. It was just like a fun way of, of getting married and, and have it was a small gathering so for the people that we knew back in New York for them to sort of see where I was from and all that so it just seemed like a good idea but around the time uh, of, of our wedding I had just finished both of my college programs. I was done with school and Mike um, essentially took like, he, he counted his vacation days, like th- all the ones he hadn't used and, and everything. And then and asked your supervisor, I, like, I can for, I please? Yeah. I asked like, for one month off. Yeah.
4: And that's unheard of. And yeah. Workforce? Yeah. Were you
3: were you kind of ducking after the <laughs> question, like getting prepared for the punch?
2: I mean, it was not that well received. No, but they couldn't say no because he had the days, and and you were you were clear, like this is a once in a lifetime thing. Mm, like yeah. I really want to be able to go and mm. for us to spend some time in Sweden. Mm. So we'd been together for at that time uh, three and a half years, mm-hmm. and of course we knew each other and we'd spent a lot of time together, but. Free time, just spending, like, day after day just hanging out. We'd never really had that. Yeah. And, and that summer, to us, was just like a wake-up call of this is how it's supposed to be lived. Of course, not as one long vacation. I understand that, you know, people have to work too. But mm-hmm. there was just something there that we felt like we, we, we need to have this. We need to be able to breathe and mm-hmm. think and, and be off.
4: Being away from that normal life that we had that we yeah. had it it like something just clicked all of a sudden, yeah, I thought we don't we don't want to live our whole life like this um,
2: yeah, so
4: did it ever did it ever feel like you were kind of
3: living someone else's lives no, like like striving for ideals and stuff that you absolutely really didn't
4: it was it was not for you. I don't think I was that aware. I I thought that I was living sort of the life that I had dreamed. I was working an office job, pretty successful. I, you know, I was then married. Everything was sort of going according to plan. Swedish wife. Swedish (laughs) wife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I thought this is, you know, this is how you're supposed to live your life. Um, I didn't know any better.
2: I think there was a part of us that, however... I think you'll agree with me here that around, like around the time, like right before we took this break, um, I, I sort of remember at least us starting to talk about like, okay, what's the next step? And, and for us, like we, we lived in a studio apartment. I mean, most people around us were like, kind of starting to think about kids. Moving and then, of course, like Mike described what his parents did. It's mm. like around the time when you have children, that's when you start to look at the suburbs mm. and see what's there. And I think we had a few like conversations before the the Sweden trip where we just like, we can't we can't picture ourselves in an American suburb. First of all, prices are, out of this world I mean sure you might get a mortgage but then you're going to have to work those 80 hours a week for Mm -hmm. the rest of your life to you know get yourself out of debt and and what kind of life is that so I think we at least had a few points of reflections there as far as like where do we go from here and nothing felt right Um, Mm -hmm. and then we had that summer in Sweden together and there was just this one dinner and you said is there a reason for us not to move? <laughs> like that's how you worded it. And yeah.
3: How did you feel like when you, when you asked that question? Like what, what went through your mind the seconds before you, you asked
4: that question? I think been, I had been wanting to say that for a while, but maybe I just didn't have the nerve or I had it in me and it just it wasn't the right time. I don't know why, what I was afraid of saying like, oh, maybe we should try moving Sweden, of course you would have been thrilled.
2: I was going to say, maybe you were afraid of that, yeah. that, there, that there would be some sort of like point of no return, uh-huh. you know, like once you...
4: But I started that. realizing probably a year before that, that maybe we could have a, a better life here. And when I say better, I mean, we often tell people this. they ask, why did you choose to move to Sweden from, from New York? And I think what we say is... By moving here, it would allow us to, um, to do, what? How did we put it?
2: We usually say that we can fulfill more dreams here.
3: Not commute twenty hours. a yeah. yeah. Exactly. It, 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 like
2: spend mm, our time the way mm. it's supposed to be spent for us. I mean, mm-hmm. that's individual. Um, however, you want to, you know, mm-hmm. spend your time. But yeah, for us, this it, it w- it would allow up.
4: us to do more of what we love. Yeah,
2: and, I think, and in a more like-minded community too.
4: But 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 did you and and
3: do you um, see it as this is this is the path that you're on now and uh, there's no going back or or do you still think that you know in five years you
4: maybe you're you're back in the U.S. No, I, I don't have any doubt that this is where we'll stay and this is where our future lies. Um,
2: I feel the same way.
4: Hmm. I feel yeah. really at home here um I don't know what it is it's like Sweden kind of hugs you in a way and comforts you in a way that America doesn't um, and that comes with a lot of the traditions um, America is so diverse and there's so many cultures that there's no like traditions that all the people come around and celebrate and here there's Traditions for everything. I mean, cinnamon Monday. Who's, <laughs> who doesn't love that tradition? But I, I think that it's really comforting to have that. And um,
2: I think for um, uh, for a non American, for us, for example, at least for me, before I moved, I would have thought, oh, the Fourth of July, or mm. like there are there are so many quintessential American things. But once you move, you realize that there really. It, there really aren't that many things that we might think because mm. of the diversity that you I think we have this idea of like this typical like white Republican American like waving his flag and being so proud and like yeah. sure that's one part of America but there's a whole
4: lot more to it. Um, yeah, especially uh, in a place like New York. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean that's one of the greatest parts about New York is the yeah. diversity in all the cultures and mm. it, yeah. there's like just, a festival every day. Just Absolutely. walking down the street and seeing everything it, it, yeah. it really is um, I mean, I've been wonderful.
2: exposed to so much, mon- so many awesome things about. I mean, just diversity. walking down
3: the street. I mean, you you hear like, of course, you can do that in Stockholm as well, but it's it feels like um, you walk through one conversation in one language, and yeah. ten yeah. meters after that, you hear music streaming out of the window from another, and it's very mixed in a... Yeah. And it's very genuine
2: because all of these um, small, like, Mm -hmm. populations, first of all, by Swedish measures, they're by no means small. I mean, there are 8 million people in New York City. It's almost like the entire country of Sweden. So, if we say, oh, there's like a small Mexican population in this area, like, there's still quite a few. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're established. They've Mm -hmm. been there for a long time.
4: Um, One of the greatest things to do in New York and something that we love to do is go explore a neighborhood that, um... You haven't been in that is, for example, like Chinatown, where you go and everyone there speaks a different language. You you feel like you step into another world, like you traveled to China. Yeah. Hey, you
2: can't talk. I mean, we can't communicate with them.
4: Yeah,
3: the science and everything is in Chinese, and it's uh, like the food stands and everything. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's it's like I, I mean, I've lived in China, so uh, it's, oh, cool. it's, um, <laughs> It is it is correct what you just say. It's it's
4: like you're being transported yeah. to yeah. Shanghai, or something. and that's one of the the greatest parts about New York, I think.
2: Oh, well, it's, um, I guess by, by archipelago standards, it's fairly large. Uh, it's northern not,
3: archipelago south of Roslagen. Um,
2: I say mid middle almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in the heart of Roslagen, mm-hmm. I would say. I think that's what people oh, it to to more, say. It is more, it
3: is more Ruslogen than Aragon. Yes.
2: Well. Isn't in a part of the Kjærgård? Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: um,
2: yeah so it's, it's essentially right off the coast from Nortalia. Mm-hmm. Um, so right before, like, the little tip comes mm-hmm. out. Um, it's fifteen twenty 20 kilometers long, but very narrow. So it's, like, a thin sliver um, a few kilometers wide. Um we live about five kilometers down from the ferries. You take a little car ferry yeah, over there's no bridges, no bridges because we have the farisers. exactly the cruise ships go by um It's a really deep street, farland oh, okay, okay um so that's why it's a it's a perfect route for them um so no bridges, but we kinda like it. I mean, I'm so used to it. You've already gotten used to the ferries. Mm-hmm. They run every half hour it's not like it's not like it's two hours or two times a day or something like that mm. uh and it's we are around hundred, hundred and fifty year round residents. Hmm. So not that many. Hmm. And of course in the summer it's thousands and thousands. Yeah. So it's a different scene <laughs> during the summer months. Mm-hmm.
4: But still pretty quiet. I it's mean, still pretty quiet. It, compared I, to, of course. There are no the hustle um, and bustle of, of Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the exact opposite of that I'd say. Even <laughs> even week
2: thirty when everyone is off. Yeah. Um, and there are also no like there are no public um, like swim spots, no public beaches, no public anything. So you'll really only run into the people that actually live there.
3: Yeah, you don't go there unless you have a, a like house a yourself house or someone or to
2: visit. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's not like Santam or Vaxholm no, or no. anything like that. Um, and we love it. It's
3: and it's now the house, the house that you you live in. It's uh, it is the house that you spend your. Yeah, in exactly, a mm-hmm. exactly. So you really know the place?
2: I do, I sure do. Um, yeah, my parents built it in 1988 and then, let's see, seven years ago, they, my parents went separate ways and the house ended up in this sort of limbo. Uh, they continued to own it together but no one was there. Um, and we had no plans of ever moving to Sweden so we didn't really think much of it. I mean, it would have completely broken my heart if it Mm. had been sold, of Mm. course. But we were far away, so I wouldn't have felt like I had the right to say anything about that. Mm. Um, And then more or less around the same time as we decided that we wanted to move to Sweden, um, my dad decided that he felt like it was time for him to sell his part. Mm. And and sort of one thing led to another. Mm. And then we were like, well, it kind of makes sense for us then. (laughs) And Mike had been there. (laughs) several times before Mm -hmm. and you liked it and uh, whenever we tell people that we moved from from 2nd Street on Manhattan to (laughs) to this little red house in the woods they're like oh my god but like how did you deal with the transition and and our answer is well we wanted the transition it's not like we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into and that's exactly what we wanted we wanted something without people uh close by something that was just a little bit more off the beaten track
3: so Michael do you remember the first time that you Took, got off the ferry and drove to that house, and seeing all this, like because as a Swede, even if you're not living in Stockholm, you can still envision. You kind of know the archipelago, you know what it's like, and you know the type of houses and the type of nature and everything.
4: So I don't think I did much research or had an idea of what to expect when we first went. Um, that was a year and a half after we first. Met? six months six months see I, um, I'm, not, I'm not the best <laughs> with days um, six months after we first met um, I visited her because
2: um, yeah I was there for, for those four, four months initially and then I had to go back to like renew visas and stuff oh, like yeah, that yeah. so I spent a few months in Sweden and then we were going back and forth a few times mm-hmm. and that was your first so I,
4: I had no like, idea of what to expect but the moment I got off the ferry I, I just fell in love with it and that spe- was summertime. It, it was yeah. summertime, it was August, mm-hmm. and I remember um, driving down, because you go off the main road, and then it's a it's a dirt road for maybe 500 meters or something. Mm-hmm. And once we pulled onto the dirt road, it just, just something felt really right. And it, it reminds me, um, where we live on Exelon a lot of, I used to, my family used to, um, go to Cape Cod every summer for a few weeks. It's, um, it's near Boston in Massachusetts on the Atlantic Coast. That was like our summer vacation spot and on the ocean and everything. And as soon as I got to Ixlan and as soon as I saw the Red House, it reminded me of hmm. Cape Cod. And something about the dirt road, the pine trees... Um, the smell it had the same exact smell. Yeah. I think it's the dried pine needles, and because there's a similar type of trees there. That and, is a fantastic smell. Right? It, it's yeah. the best. There's yeah. just some. I just associate that with like happiness. So comforting. And the fact that I got out of the car and smelled that, and I, I just felt like oh, this, this feels like <laughs> the greatest place. And of course, we did very typical Swedish things that that week. <laughs> we foraged chanterelles. We made a a quiche. Out of that, what else did we do? I um, took
2: you on the boat.
4: Oh, yeah, we went out on the boat. Um, which, I, the previous time I had been on a boat was on a sailboat, and I, I haven't been on too many small boats, but I had gotten pretty seasick. <laughs> so I was scared to death that um, when going out on, on her boat, I would get ski, uh, seasick. And the whole time, I'm just hanging on the back. <laughs> Staring at the horizon, (laughs) taking deep breaths. Like you cannot get seasick. Like she's not going to like you anymore if you (laughs) you get seasick. I don't don't know. You think crazy things. You got to be (laughs) man. Exactly. But I, I didn't get seasick. I didn't take my eyes off of the horizon. But
2: you didn't get seasick. um,
4: We actually went out. Like it was a good like maybe forty five minutes on the boat to an island, Kaduxa, which we've been back to, and I just love that island. There's a little inlet there. Um, As you and, can see,
2: I planted the, the moving to Sweden seed very early and very well.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> but the water was really choppy that day. And I, I don't know what you were thinking taking us out that day. Because <laughs> if your if your mom knew we were out on the boat... <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't have been happy. No. I, I, no, I it think was she safe. was safe. It was safe. Happy. But yeah. um, I didn't think it was at the time. <laughs> no, I so think
2: I, you thought I was some sort of wild woman <laughs> at that point.
4: I was impressed. Um <laughs> did we do any other typical? What else did we do? Oh, we picked blueberries. Of course, yeah, yeah we, we picked, did. Like, Smeltron, big. No, too late for that August. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but um, oh, yeah, raspberries, August, I believe. Yeah, we yeah. had mm-hmm. Um Every morning, we would wake up and go out to the raspberry bush or blueberries, cause was, and blueberries bare feet. Yeah, blueberries. Bare feet in the for grass. Breakfast. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is amazing." Yeah, um, and then at the time, I was like, "We could, we should come here every summer. This should be like our summer vacation spot." And then, little did I know, um, we'd end up living there permanently.
3: Once, once you, uh, once you asked that question, like, how come we don't live here? Uh, when when this project started to kind of take shape, did you set up any uh, like rules or goals or milestones that you had to accomplish in order to proceed?
2: Um. Well, I guess the first milestone was to file the paperwork needed for Mike to get his permanent residency. Mm-hmm. So it was basically um the migration agency was just about to change their rules as far as uh, family immigration to Sweden because of the migrant wave from Syria. Because this was in two thousand
3: fifteen.
2: Two thousand and sixteen is when we filed, <laughs> yeah. but in twenty fifteen I believe the majority of the yeah. yeah Exactly. So as a result of that, um, they were changing the rules so that for, in this case, then uh, uh, a wife to bring her husband, the wife would need to have uh, an apartment and a job already in place Mm -hmm. in Sweden. And we were like, oh, that's that's not going to work for us. (laughs) So the day they were changing those rules, I think, was... July 19th if i'm correct.
4: So we had from the moment we decided or even like proposed why don't we mm-hmm. move yeah, to Sweden 40 we hours. had 48 hours to Whoa. then officially decide and fill out all the paperwork. So yeah. i don't think we even had time to kind of contemplate no. we are just like okay let's just file the paperwork and we can figure it out. Take it yeah. From there. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so we 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 did that and we sent it in the the last day um and because of the workload for the migration agency we actually had to wait Uh, an unusually long time. Um, It took about six months from start to finish before we had everything in order. So, Mm -hmm. of course, during those six months, um, we had plenty of time to sort of ponder what was coming. But in all honesty, now that you ask the question, like, I don't think there was ever a thought from the moment we said, why not? I don't think there was ever a point when we actually, like, questioned it. I think it just, all right, like, this is what we're doing. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh I think once we decided um, we were going to move, something that came along with that was that when we do move, we're going to take one year off yeah. of work. And um, just focus on the being, like building your home. Just, yeah. just relax, building the home. We, we were going to renovate our house. Um, set up a garden. Set up a garden, all this that we, we thought, okay, if we're going to do this, let's like take the time and refresh. So, yeah. when so that was a big part of it, of course. We all that paperwork. We then said, okay, in one year. Mm. That was our what we'll, we'll be moving, so from that moment, we really spent a lot of time thinking about how how we can save money um how how we want to spend that that next year um, to make that work. We created a, this this whole budget we had a huge excel document we had a budget okay for renovations how much will we need mm. for trips we, we thought maybe we would do some traveling in,
2: <coughs> in Europe
4: that didn't happen that didn't happen we enjoyed ourselves too much on X-Lon. Um <laughs> we had a budget for ski trips up north um, we had a budget for the garden
2: we had one called startup Sweden <laughs> and that was like Mike's driver's license
4: like my, my new gummies new I like, like, like
2: r- rubber boots like <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta have good quality rubber boots <laughs>
4: yeah um, yeah
2: yeah so and we had a bunch.
4: We created this whole whole budget, and then we worked for a year to to meet that. Um,
2: yeah. So the reason why we stayed for that whole year was because we we needed to save mm. the money, and a year seemed it's close enough in time that it doesn't feel like oh, well. It's never going to happen. It's it felt real enough. Um, but a year, if you work hard and you live cheaply, mm. you can. You still have a goal. You a have aside. a specific goal. Also,
3: yeah. So so you had you 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 added like an extra year in New York in order to just. Save up, yeah, uh, and budget. we were Save also waiting for, for Mike's ex- uh, oh, yeah. permanent yeah, for papers, residency. Yeah.
2: So it was a combination. So did
3: things. the uh, because now you grow tons of stuff. Yeah, um, was that uh, was that to 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 kind of keep your food expenses down, or was it was it it, it, it didn't w- start like that? No? It
4: didn't
2: start like that.
4: It it started much smaller. Um, we really just wanted a garden because we thought it would be fun. Um, like and herbs things, and tomatoes. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Things escalated very quickly. <laughs> As they usually do a, with a, us. A, a few garden boxes turned into eight and then turned into a potato patch and then turned into a few more. And the next thing we knew, we were almost like full scale. Run, running running out of lawn. <laughs> Pretty much. So we, we never had any intention to... Um,
2: that was a bonus. The money mm-hmm. saving, I think, was more of a, a bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're we're sort of... Curious people. Mm. Uh, we love learning new things, and I think once we got like our mindset on this, like let's have a garden. We were like devouring garden books and then reading blog posts about people maximizing their yields by like I don't know, just different ways of farming efficiently if you have limited space. And yeah. and we got so into that that we were just like, well, what the hell? Like let's go all in and try and figure this out. And then
4: there, there was one. Um, article in specific that sort of motivated us. It was written by um, a Danish person, actually. And this person basically was throwing all of the conventional rules out the window as far as spacing of vegetables and things like that. I had always thought as an engineer, I want to follow the rules. So if it on the seed packet, it says place 15 centimeters apart. <laughs> I want to follow that exactly. Like and no we're de-
2: talking measuring tape,
4: exactly,
2: here. <laughs> I still <laughs> oh, take yeah. out the measuring tape quite a yeah. bit. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but only doing one type of vegetable like in one area, not mm. mixing anything. I wanted to do everything like according to the conventional rules. And this person, this Danish guy, just threw everything out the window. That's stains like, for you. Right, right. <laughs> That's Dains. for you. He's right. like, you can grow so much. And he was yielding what we thought was a lot at the time. Throwing in lots of different vegetables, lettuces with the different things and...
2: And like you know, some things grow up, some things grow down.
4: Like you can mm-hmm. put them really closely packing. to oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. you know packing the box. And this like this is completely new to us. Three dimensional. Yeah, exactly. Very thing. much. So we so. saw that we're like, oh, maybe we we can get a lot out of this just yeah. out of a being smart a small about space. Um,
2: yeah.
3: Do you I- remember the uh, the article? Like, do you have it online?
2: Um I could find it.
3: Yeah, we can yeah. we can put it up on the Yeah, absolutely. Journals.
2: It was um very nicely so um translated into Swedish. Okay, so cool. it was very easy for us to understand of, mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. um by so it's it was through her blog that mm-hmm. we found mm-hmm. it. I can't remember, but I could easily find it. Yeah.
3: Um because I was going to ask you like if if there was a lot of things that you uh you needed to learn in order to proceed with this project and I guess yes. It was a lot yeah. of things you had to learn and, yeah. and that was part of it. Yeah. Part of the challenge and part of the development and the fun for you kind of to experiment and explore.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. yeah I think I mean I, I spent like a year reading reading gardening books before yeah. going to bed. <laughs> I was like dreaming of compost. You still do. I st- that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very comforting. I, I I never in a million years could have imagined or Even remotely, like, dreamed of um, the, I don't know, just everything that gardening has given us or me as a, on a, on a much more like emotional,
3: spiritual level. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's, it's the most ground, it's the most Mm -hmm. grounding thing in the world. Like, I love hanging out with our plants Mm -hmm. and I sound like a crazy plant lady, but (laughs) I, I do, like, they're, they're my little friends.
3: You're making up for the for the ones you sacrificed to the New York absolutely pigeons and New York rats <laughs> exactly. on the on the rooftop. <laughs> exactly.
2: No, but it's it's self fulfilling. Mm. I it's very um, of course it is grounding because you're literally sticking your fingers into the dirt. And I think there is something. I mean, you said spiritual, and I, I do think there is something there. It's this, this you're reconnecting with where you're coming from. You know, and I think that means a lot to me because I felt for many years not grounded one mm. bit. So mm-hmm. it's
3: uh this this what w- what you guys are doing are i guess part of a a trend yeah mhm the kind of second green wave and downshifting mm-hmm. and self sustainability and so on absolutely um uh, and i guess like from your perspective you you uh speaking of like social media and so on because you have instagram account and web page and so on do you see uh, differences and or similarities between the U.S. and Sweden?
2: Oh, um,
3: because I guess it's a trend in the U.S. as well. It's a yeah. big trend in the U.S. Yeah, um. and not not the uh, uh, semi psycho prepper movement. <laughs> no, no. But the more the more uh, urban urban <laughs> yeah. kids like uh, rethinking yeah. their yeah. life and
4: so on. Uh, absolutely, less yeah. knives and guns and it's- more. Parcelate and uh, yeah. The only thing um, cooler than living in Brooklyn right now is living in Brooklyn and moving to the country. Yeah, uh,
2: upstate New York, preferably. Yes.
4: So there, there is a large trend of mm. um, of young people moving to the countryside. Um, definitely, and it's talked about a lot more, I think, in America um, than it is.
2: Because again, there are more people. I mean, yeah. in sheer numbers, of course. If mm. there is a similar trend there, we're going to talk millions of people, not like a handful. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I also think that we, we sort of left around the time of like that coming in. I think if we had lived in the city still, we would have, we, I think we would have picked up more about it. Now we're more a part of the like Swedish scene, I guess. <laughs> um, but I don't know if there are any differences. Would you, do you have anything that comes to mind? I, I guess one thing I would say is that you still have to have a lot of money in America, at least if you're on if you're in the New Yorkish mm-hmm. area. Like it might be harder to actually be able to buy land or yeah. buy a property than here. Then you
4: have to really move in country, yeah. in country. Yeah, I remember the first time I went on Hemnet, and Sophia showed me this website, and it's, it's really fun. Um, I was looking at just out of curiosity, like farms in. Like, way up north. Yeah. Or I even, could, like, Vimland. I mean, yeah, I yeah. could not believe how inexpensive you could buy a whole court, a whole farm for.
2: Yeah. So and so, it, I think that's a big difference. It, mm-hmm. like, it might still be a trend more accessible to the privileged in America. Mm-hmm. You know, and more, mm-hmm. more of a... <laughs> I'm gonna go and find myself, yeah. kind of thing, because I mm-hmm. have the financial means to do it. Mm. Maybe a little more. That might be judgmental of me to say. I don't. I'm not sure, but I think a touch, at least, more of mm. that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, like oh. here, you can move to like a small cabin that is pretty mm. simple, and and it sure it's it's money, but mm. we're not talking millions and millions.
3: And the distances. Uh, oh, never mind. Um, how long did it take for you to kind of leave the stress behind? Like, after how long did you kind of notice a a change in your behavior and change in your... Or did that come, like, the second you stepped out of the ferry? More or
2: less. I think we'd stress down pretty... Yeah, I never... I think it went like almost instantly.
4: You never decompressed? I I never actually consciously thought about it. Um, I think when we first moved here, it was during the summer. So we had like a summer vacation. So it was no different from our normal life. We were just taking vacation time, enjoying going swimming, being in the sun. And then soon after that, we started our renovation project with the house. So that quickly occupied Mm. our minds. So I never really had time. time. (laughs) So I mean, one could say that was... Stressful too, but it was
2: in a different way. It, it
4: was stressful in a different way. We were doing it because we wanted to on our own time.
2: I think it was stressful because we ultimately were doing things we'd never done before. And, and you know, yeah, but that sums yeah.
3: up your life now, doesn't it? Like yeah. doing stuff that you've never done before. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and
2: getting Absolutely. away with it.
4: <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I getting
2: a kick from it too. Just
4: over the past two years, I've learned that you can really do anything you want and it's okay to make mistakes. Um, As long as you can YouTube it first. (laughs) (laughs) Or you spend a lot of time like online, like on YouTube, like learning stuff. Oh, my God. During our construction project, we spent so much time on YouTube learning how to do things. Absolutely. We didn't know how to put up um, drywall. drywall. We didn't know how to spackle. Spackling (laughs) was, I think that was the most (laughs) difficult thing to pick up. Um, During each
2: step of our renovation process, it was like, first you mount drywall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. and and then you spa- for each new step, Mike was like, "This is the worst task." <laughs> so then we got to spackling, and then that was the worst task. And then and then it was sanding. Oh my God, this is the worst task. And then went to paint. So I was like, "You're constantly just being miserable." Okay, like we're just gonna conclude that. Or? Okay. No, I just like to complain. No, I, I, I
4: wasn't I wasn't being I miserable. Um,
2: <laughs> I know that I'm just
4: kidding. But this past fall, we painted the house, and I think that was the worst. The worst task. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did use YouTube a lot. Yeah, um,
2: absolutely, so to, much.
4: The, I think the most taxing thing, though, was putting up wallpaper.
2: Oh, that—that's uh, marriage challenging. Yeah, that, yeah.
4: We ha- we <laughs> depending on what type of wallpaper,
3: because yeah. if, if you pick the fancy, advanced ones, you have that's to really what we did. Them for the.
2: We have this like uh, intricate like woods pattern with of flying pigs and leaves and birds. Thank <laughs> you yeah. yeah. <laughs> very much, so Hanna. Yeah. Um, uh, Van Bloom or okay, something. Okay, I think okay. her name is. Well. Anyway, it's very, it's lovely.
3: But. Yeah. <laughs> um. This is a question coming in from 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 a listener. Like, how do you manage to live simply without becoming restless and quote unquote hurt your ambition? Uh undt de ambitionen to kind of do you ever feel stressed? That oh, okay, so so this is a uh, year or two that I spent kind of not off the grid, but off my CV, kind of my uh, my my career, mm-hmm. my ambition, my my uh, the 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 chase for I don't know money and fame and uh, good resumes. Well, was that never uh, an issue in no. the first place?
4: I mean, for me, it is. I still have the fear that um we won't be able to make this work and I'll go back to working as an engineer, but I'll I will have forgotten everything. I I won't be as good as I was. And every every year that passes I'm going to forget more and lose some of that and will I be able to get a job.
3: You end up in the bottom pile yeah, but for I, applications
4: and so on. I just that those fears come up every once in a while, but it, it's not. I don't think about it a lot. It's. I, I have trust. I trust that. You know we're we're on the right path and things will work itself out. And we don't know what we're going to be doing ten years from now, but what we're doing now might open new doors. It might lead to something else, and it might lead to another thing. And I, I just. I believe that um, things will work out, and we work really hard too. It's not like we're just sitting around. Far from it. Um,
2: I would say in many ways we're like busier now mm. because we constantly do things. And that might not resonate with a live slow, but it, it still <laughs> does because it's, it's... The whole thing for us is to be in charge of our own time. Mm. To not feel like you have to do a certain thing at a certain time in a certain place. Mm. But we're in charge uh, and our freedom means so mm. much to us. And I think you mentioned sort of the career focus and making money and all of that i i one of the most striking um emotions that i experienced when we first moved was this endless relief of having said i'm opting out i'm not a, i don't want to be part of this race anymore it's not benefiting me my mental health my well-being whatsoever i it just leaves me feeling like a loser. Uh, like whatever you do, you can't ever do enough. Uh, that's not where my happiness is. So by by choosing this, I guess you can call it alternative lifestyle, I feel like I've chosen. We've chosen ourselves instead uh, of this vain search for what really mm-hmm. like it, it. Just I've I've for so many. In in so many ways, I've been searching for a happiness uh, more illustrated by others and, and drawn up by others, hmm. more so than my own idea of happiness. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm actually living in a way that makes me sincerely happy. Um,
3: and of course, it, I guess it, it helps out that this is nothing that you do... Uh, by your own i mean you do it together yeah yeah so you kind of reinforce and, and motivate each other uh, that yeah. does make in it times easier. of absolutely. in times of doubt and absolutely. weakness and so on yeah absolutely because i mean it's this sounds super cliche but i mean i mean you really are kind of transcending into something else aren't you Or, yeah, I guess. Or, I, I feel like, by saying that, do I scare you?
2: No, 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 not at all. I think I think actually one thing that we keep saying is like every so often we share little snippets of our story um, on Instagram, for example. And I think what always, I'm usually the one who writes our material and Mike, Mike takes the pictures. But um, I think a striking thing for me is Every time I sit down to sort of word parts of our story, I realize that it, we're, like, transcending into something new all the time, but without sort of realizing it. I, like, this year, or this move, started out as a let's move and take one year off and then get an apartment in Stockholm and, and get real jobs mm. and sort of live that life. And then... Excellent one thing, along. yeah, like one thing led to another, and at the, the, towards the end of that year, we sort of asked ourselves, like, "But we like it here. Like, do we want to move to Stockholm and get real jobs? Not really." And then just listening to that, and then that sort of led to our joint Instagram account and our website, and then so who knows what the next step will be? I'm not sure, but I'm I'm convinced we're in the constant state of. Transformation or, yeah. or development towards. I
5: mean, life something. living is transcending. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. <laughs> I <guess>. Exactly.
2: <clears throat>
3: um, uh, what would you say the common denominator between farming, self-sustainability, and long-distance running are, if there are any perseverance. Mm. Because we haven't, we haven't really touched upon running yet, and uh, no. that's part of your name. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> I mean, it's,
4: running is a huge part of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but just the connections.
2: I think just um, uh, a trust in the process, it requires patience. Uh, and I think we are patient people. Um, we are curious people. So I think there is a there is a curiosity related to all of those parts because you want to know what's going to happen next. So there is a drive to search out what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. whether that's from I've, run, I've I've now run 60K, what's going to happen if I do 70, 80, 90, 100?
3: That's a seed you planted many years ago yeah. and now, now it's starting to grow in yeah. new in and in different directions.
2: Yeah. We actually said just not long ago, I can't remember what made it a topic of ours, but we talked about how if there's one thing we notice in ourselves uh, that's different now versus when living in New York is that we enjoy the process of things before it was just like, okay, what do I need to do to get to the to the end result?
4: Yeah, I would think about the task at hand yeah. and just getting as getting it as possible, done. Yeah. as f- efficiently as possible done. Yeah. Now we really enjoy the process of everything. And I think running
2: step. is an excellent example of that. That's a huge process. You put in all the hours of training to get to where you want to be and then you sort of just continue i mean that's just a, a circle without any it's just a circle you just continue and continue until you don't think it's fun mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. um so you recently you
3: recently did a jättelångt
2: no, no we're doing it on saturday
3: oh, okay okay yeah, yeah. yeah sorry you did a you did another ultra. Ultra
2: Vossen we ran yeah, but, in August. R- oh, a 50k we ran a uh, few weeks
3: ago. It was a 50k, yeah, yeah, because that was an ultra, like you yeah. did uh, one or two weeks ago. Yes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so Jettelångt yeah. is next week. It's on Saturday, mm. yeah.
4: Yep. Yeah, you're in taper mode. Now. Oh, we are in taper exactly. mode. Just enjoying it. <laughs> Getting ready. No, I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't say enjoying it. Tapering no. is is really hard. Uh, tapering is. <laughs> <laughs> tapering
2: does pose its challenges. It does. Because uh, you started to doubt yourself. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we haven't done a long run now in, mm-hmm. in a week or so. Like, can we mm-hmm. still do it? So
3: What is it with um ultra running and and the distances that
4: that uh affects you? I never wanted to run long distances. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't really start getting into running um until a few years after we met and maybe Because
3: Sofia did Her Manhattan
4: rounds. Yeah, Sophia was running a lot in New York, and and she would tell me about these crazy runs, what I thought was just insane, the distance that she would run. Um, But she would run from our apartment in the East Village out to the East River, and then down along the river to the tip of Manhattan, around Lower Manhattan. You can kind of see the Statue of Liberty out in the distance. Um, And then up the west side... And then back across to, and I, maybe it was like 25K or something mm-hmm. like that. And I just could not believe that someone was running that far. <laughs> I, I would run, I mean, when I was exercising and going to the gym, I would do like 5K, and that was it. And <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere along the line, I just had curiosity, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I could join you um, on a run. And we did. And I didn't make it very far. I think I went like 5K or 10K, and I had some, I started to have some issues with my knee, some ITB, um, but we slowly worked up um, our, our mileage, little by little, and I, I still think the, the long distances are intimidating to me. I, we ran Boston last year, which is 90K. I, I didn't want to do the full 90k. I thought <laughs> at the time when we signed up, um, the longest we ran was a marathon distance. So I thought, okay, we should do the 45, the half ultra, awesome first as like a stepping stone. Mm. But uh, that that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I I was like, you know, no offense to 45 runners, but I'm like the 90s, the real deal. Mm.
3: Come if on. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Exactly. For
2: like like we can do 90k. It's gonna be awesome. And then Mike was like, eh, I'm not sure about this. And I was like, I got to play the woman's card here. So I basically, I was like, Michael, we're most likely going to have children in the next few years. This might be my last chance I can ever do something like this. (laughs) And and, and once you play that card, there isn't much a man can say. (laughs) So he was like, all right. (laughs) And we signed up. And here we are, no baby on board and about to do it again. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but it was by far one of the best days of my life mm-hmm. doing Ultrasan. Uh because because you again like the process, you you set out to do this one thing a long time beforehand and you you do all the the training and you plan it and you you try and do everything to give yourself the best mm-hmm. uh you know, sort of I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but mm-hmm. the best chance, I guess, mm-hmm. at, at performing well or at least doing it the way you want mentally to do it mentally
3: and physically. Yeah, and...
2: exactly. And then we set out, and we always run together, start to finish. That's our that's our thing. Unless someone, you know, would get mm. seriously injured, then the other person would continue. But we run together, and it was just like the most remarkable day to set out from Zalan there in the morning, and then do do the whole thing together. and Mm -hmm. sharing the pain and it was like are you in pain (laughs) yes i am and then we just kept doing that for the last like 10k i'm still in pain yeah me too i
4: think at one point i said to sophia i i feel like i just want to go crawl or (laughs) what did i say (laughs)
2: yeah this is the best i
4: feel like i want to crawl and go in the woods what was it yeah let me do this again
2: you said um I feel like I just want to go into the woods, crawl up into a ball, and cry. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> that was
2: like with 5k left or something like that. So yeah, we I were in pretty like I good hands.
4: Go into the woods, crawl up in a ball, and cry. Because <laughs> it was the mental aspect, not the the pain. Just the mental aspect of having to do so many kilometers ahead, and like just having to do all of that. And I think that's one thing I've learned um, through ultra running is you can't think about. The total number, or the the distance, or how many hours you're out there, you just have to take it step by step, break it down, and that's taught me so much in life that <gasps> nothing, no no task is too big, because you can just take it a little bit at a time, and, and you you'll have eventually been, get there.
2: You have been feeling very daunted previously in your life by like the grandness of things. Yeah. So this is a it's a big change for you. Mm-hmm. A positive.
3: And that mm-hmm. translates into uh, gardening as well, and yeah, harvesting. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm.
2: I mean, there were times last summer where you were feeling overwhelmed by our garden because it was just like spitting out food at a rate that we, could, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. we couldn't keep up. Um,
4: mm-hmm. but, yeah, but so back in New York when Sophia was running um, this much and I joined her, I also thought it was crazy that she would train this much and not race. For me, I thought, there's got to be a goal. There's got to be something you're working towards. But for you, it was never like that.
2: Never. Never. I um, um I started running on a regular basis and, and quite a lot, I guess, in my late teens. And, and then as I moved to New York at 25, I sort of stepped it up even more. And I, I think the reason why I did that was which sort of contradicts we had no free time, I guess. But the little free time I had, um, I spent running because that was my first and foremost way of decompressing, uh, just tapping into the Staying rhythm. sharp. Yeah, exactly. Like just not having to think about anything, um, just being in the moment. Plus, I love New York City. I mean, it's, it's an amazing way of, of getting to know a place, too. To run and mm. to run all the streets and, and find your Get way around. Get the
3: and smells. And yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> smells good and bad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Chinatown, <laughs> uh, but racing or competing, I should say, has been a very touchy subject for me. Yeah,
3: the yeah. art of competing is a yeah complex issue for you.
2: Very complex. Um, I, I, I grew up like the typical good girl like the high achieving um does what she's expected to do kind of person and i i've shied away from every single instance where there has been a comparison involved if i've been able to shy away that is otherwise i've been completely traumatized by it Uh, i did not like you know getting grades in school even though mine were good i didn't I never wanted to share my score after a test, even if the score was good. I just don't like that. And even like running in school when they, they time you and, and that whole, that whole scene, I, I would like actually fake a fall so I could limp back to the start and say, sorry, I, I, I can't fulfill this or I can't, I can't go through with this because now my knee is bleeding or now whatever. Um, and I guess everything, and this is something I've more realized now than, than I did then when I was 13 years old or something like that, is that i that I'm so afraid of, of failure that I would rather not try it at all. Mm. So it's easier to not even attempt to run that 5K fast because then I can always say, oh, but I couldn't do it because I fell. Or even like... Uh, There are so many examples of this in my life, but even such a thing as, like, I prefer to not wear makeup because if I don't try to look good, then if someone thinks I'm ugly, I don't have to feel too bad because I didn't try. Um, And then there are many expressions of that same thing in my life. So, naturally, racing was never a thing that I was ever interested in because why on earth would I put myself in a position where... I could potentially give it a my give it my all, try my best, and then someone would say, "Sorry, you weren't that good in the mm, end." Mm. If I just kept my running to myself and and did all those those miles in Manhattan, I could rest sure and say, "Well, I'm a runner and I like it. And I'm maybe I'm good, maybe I'm not. I don't care. I'm a runner and no one can take that away from me." So then Mike came along and and wanted to start running with me, and that was a lot of fun. And then there's one day he's like, could we maybe sign up for a race together? And I was like, no way in hell. I I don't race. Um, At the time, I mean, I wasn't even running with a watch or tracking anything. It was just for my own sake. And I I feel like to most people that is quite unusual. Mm -hmm. Um, I think more people than not are um, intrigued by having a goal or a specific race they want to train for and tracking, tracking their activity. I mean, we... As people, we track everything these yep. days. Um, so it took some convincing, I guess. Um, Mike had to really promise me that we were just going to do it for fun, that it was just something um, that was just going to be a fun adventure and we weren't going to care about times or placement or anything. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and then eventually we signed up. And this was a, a half marathon up in Bear Mountain. So it was a trail race and and i was very nervous and i if i look back i mean it seems so silly and this is only 3 years ago mm-hmm. um that we ran the first race but i was like i don't know i was just nervous about so many different things i remember like i was like sick for a few days and i couldn't run like f- three weeks out or something and i was like do you think this will affect my form you know <laughs> like completely logical fears that were yeah. just taken over completely
4: Th- this was a pretty popular race i think there was like almost a thousand people running it mm-hmm. and you had to give your estimated finishing time um and then if you've ever run a trail race before because then they would like add some time if you mm-hmm. said no, so we of course said no. We haven't run a trail race, and then we added like an hour to our mm-hmm. fishing time. <laughs> so they put us in the um, the last starting group. It was eight starting groups, and we were we were in the last last like one. A wave, yeah. Um, and
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty ironic because there I was. I'd probably logged like. 100K weeks for like a solid <laughs> five years or something. <laughs> And yet I was like, I think this half marathon is gonna take us about four and a half hours. <laughs>
3: Which really was, downplaying yeah, like exactly. managing expectations.
2: And then the and then the gun went off and like off we went and off we went. I still don't know like what actually happened to my brain, but I was like, Oh, it's races on. Exactly. I was like <laughs> elbows like sharp left and right. To make our way ahead, and it was really muddy and, and big puddles everywhere. And I remember like turning around, like screaming back to Mike, like "Let's not give a damn about the puddles!" <laughs> and we like ran through them. <laughs> probably came across as very obnoxious <laughs> human beings. Um, Who is she? Exa- exactly. and it. why is she coming from here? Yeah, you were probably wondering if I was trying to like run away from my yeah, fear I was just or trying something. To keep up. And I think you- I remember a few K in. You were like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> like probably mentally thought I was. Freaking out and just wanted to get to the finish line just as fast Just shoved
3: this guy into the bushes. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> <Exactly>. He's not. <laughs> He's not. <okay. laughs>
2: um, but we came, to, we came to the finish line, and we ended up doing fairly well. I think we finished like two hours ahead of plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... And it was awesome. And I can recall the... We drove home from there to... Or to Mike's parents, and we were just eating this bag of potato chips and we had the windows down and music playing and i i felt the liberation that that i don't know if you you conquered it i definitely conquered Mm -hmm. it and there was something there i have uh i guess i have a troubled past in many ways but i did struggle with eating disorders for or not plural eating an eating disorder um for a long time in my late teens and my early 20s and for me I was really like breaking free of all of that even though I hadn't been struggling with that specifically for years when this particular day happened sitting there with that bag of potato chips was like such a defining moment for mm-hmm. me because I felt alive I felt so alive and I don't know it was a it was a big day mm-hmm. for many reasons and- Um
4: it's not something that you're, like, cured from now. No. I mean, it's something you still struggle with. Absolutely. Um, but you still do want to race.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the good outweighs the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I do struggle a lot because I get such, um, like, performance-related anxiety. Um, I'm just... It's hard for me to let go of, of the performance aspect of it. And I'm by no means, you know winning the UTMB. <laughs> but it's still there and I think maybe that's a reason why I want to talk about it because mm. I think us humans, I think a lot of people feel the same way as I do. Maybe not with running, but in other aspects of life.
3: But would that would that be uh would that be something that you would want to do one day, the UTMB races like that?
2: Well, I do. I'm not sure if I could get this I, one on board.
4: <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm ready to accept that I'll run 100 miles. It's right kind right of yet. a toll order. <laughs> I, I think it may happen at some point, but I'm not I'm not there yet. Mm. Um, I'm I, not there either. I would like to participate in the UTMB week mm. in some fashion, just because it's such a a, a yeah. big event and it's exciting. Mm.
2: We did enter the OCC draw this year because we had each our points, but we didn't get in. Mm.
3: Um, and now you're doing... Uh,
4: a uh, field marathon jättelångt and the uh, ultra yeah, yeah that's yeah. what's
2: on the schedule mm-hmm. for this year uh,
4: field marathon <clears throat> um, is especially exciting for us cuz we'll, we'll be running together as a duo oh yeah they have a like a duo class yes, yeah of we've never even though we've run all of our races together we've never been competing officially exactly mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so, so that's going to be a lot of fun yeah.
2: yeah we'll see how how we'll do there we obviously don't live in a very mountainous area. No, that's the so we only have to tra- uh, chase the elevation for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of up and the down. The downhill technique and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, we'll see. But I think from races we've run before, like we've done, we did Vemdalen Fjell Marathon um, almost year. two, years ago? two years ago. No, yeah. yeah, in twenty-seven. Actually, that was our like celebratory thing when we had just moved to Sweden. Um, that was. We celebrated by running through a swamp.
4: (laughs) This this was a week after we, um, two weeks maybe after we first moved here, and we shipped all of our stuff from America um, by freight, by boat, so we only had with us a very limited amount of stuff, and we thought all of our things were supposed to have arrived at the same time we arrived, but... It, of course, was delayed. Somehow the ship went through, like, the Caribbean first, and then...
2: (laughs) Our stuff, like, circumferenced the (laughs) planet, like, four times before it got to Sweden.
4: So we showed up to... We had to Vemdalen to run this race in, like, old clothes that we found in the closet that were her her parents.
2: (laughs) Not very fashionable, that's for sure. (laughs) And, like, we didn't have any hats or gloves or anything, and, of course, it was going to get cold. Mm-hmm. That was your, your first... I guess I had never run through a swamp before, but <laughs> yep. you had probably not even seen a swamp before.
4: <laughs> I think that's the one aspect of our training that we need to practice the most is the swamp running. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't have many of those. Yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> and it was up in order that you met, maybe not that year, but you've gotten to know the Super Twins.
2: The Super Twins, yeah. yes. We love them so much.
3: Salman and Lena.
2: Yeah, we, um, we actually got to know them uh, this past September, they organized or a trail tour, oh, yeah. which is that Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm-hmm. running event. Uh, so we participated in that and, I guess, said hi to them during the races and everything. And then we uh, stayed for a few days to do some running and hiking. Ended up texting them for some advice regarding just the running route. Mm-hmm. And then, as wonderful as they are, they had us over for Fika. Uh, and the friendship has... Yeah, it's been growing since because they were sh- just visiting us. Actually, last oh, n- week. oh yeah. Nice, nice, yeah, they they like texted us one day and were like, "Are you guys home tomorrow?" Come and come and they made us so happy. So that yeah. was awesome.
4: Did they approve of the garden? They did. Yeah. <laughs> they did <laughs>
2: absolutely. Yeah. We um, even
4: sent them home with some small baby plants. Oh nice, we did, nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hoping they'll thrive up in Norway.
3: Yeah. Um, if 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 I would. Uh, if I would speak with, f- like, f- like your friends from, from f- for instance, the high school years. Yeah. Telling them what you have done today and what you are doing today, would they be surprised?
4: Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah, same here. Uh,
4: no, they one, no, no one could this. see this coming. No, they... I, it's funny, on, on Facebook, I keep getting friend requests now from old high school acquaintances, not necessarily friends. But I think one person... I may be friend requested they friend requested me, and then mm-hmm. the, it always shows like you might know this person. So it's like all these people are now coming back in and mm-hmm. seeing me on Facebook, and I, I think it's kind of fun to them for them to then see where I am now. And I'm sure they never expected mm-hmm. that I would be living. There, there
2: have been some random comments from people you didn't even know very well, like back in high school and college, that have like, randomly commented. Yeah, like but even like very endearing comments, like, mm-hmm. oh Michael, like, it makes me so happy to see you so happy. <laughs> 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 like, like, who
4: knew? <laughs> yeah. Like very
2: heartfelt little comments. Yeah. That's always fun. But what about you? Um Yes and no. I think uh, I think that more people would have been surprised if they had learned that I lived in New York City. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was actually a a little bit of a thing for me to get over as we decided to move back because I'm not going to lie. Being able to tell people that you live in New York City, especially Swedes, Mm -hmm. that I live in Manhattan. I live on 2nd Street in the (laughs) East Village in Manhattan.
3: Then you've made it.
2: Absolutely, you have. Yeah. So for, for my ego, that was the most amazing boost ever. I felt so cool mm. that I could say that. And it was like, it doesn't matter if I'm still in school and, and mm. have no money. Uh, <laughs> I can still say that I live in New York City. Um, so the idea of us moving away from there sort of hurt that Felt a, a bit, bit like a defeat? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it It actually helped when I started to feel like... Mike on the other hand felt super cool for moving here. So that was like <laughs> so okay. Was well, your, as long as one of
4: shine. us is cool. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Telling my friends that I met a Swedish girl. Oh yeah. Uh, that felt cool. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so so maybe more I don't know, voices of surprise. Mm, mm. If I told them that, yeah, I live smack dab in, in, mm. in Manhattan. Um, <laughs> now, I, I was always like into nature and into, mm. into that. So maybe not so much. However, we're really choosing to go our own little, choosing our own path here in life. So maybe that would have surprised some people too.
3: You have this, uh, these platforms or this platform platform, uh, Live slow, run for now, and, and and people can follow you on your Instagram account, and you have this web page. Mm-hmm. In what ways? Because you use this, I guess, in two ways, for, like for yourself as well, mm-hmm. and but also to to kind of motivate and inspire other people. Yeah. If you could kind of summarize, um, uh, if, if if I would ask you to send some inspiration out to leave this uh, to to. Um, kind of tie up this episode? In what ways would you like to inspire people?
2: Um, Should I go first? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're the writer. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would like to say that uh, that you should at least try to incorporate some of the things that sincerely make you happy in your life i think we're so programmed by society to choose a certain path and to basically throw out your true passions out the window because they don't fit into that picture and um if you learn how to reduce your living costs uh there are infinite possibilities as to making your dreams come true i, I truly believe that I'm not just saying that like by us going cheap on a lot of things you don't you don't need to work so much then so that you have no time to do what you truly love um, and I think by if you choose wisely as far as your wallet you're going to choose wisely for your mental health and you're going to choose wisely for this planet as well and whichever one of those three is like your greatest incentive whether it's if you're, if you're after saving the world, then your mental health and your wallet will thank you as well. Like You can sort of start in anywhere in that little triangle um, and, and have positive change come about in, in all aspects. Um, so it sounds like such a basic thing, but asking yourself sincerely, what makes me happy? I think is something that's so looked past by most people. It's not even something we consider anymore. We just go for whatever society expects from us. Um, so, finding what mm. makes you happy will want will make you want to go after it. Because mm-hmm. who would not want to go after it?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
2: So we're like, we don't want to be tied down by full time jobs that are going to eat up our souls this makes us happy that Okay, how can we make that come true by doing this and this and this?
4: Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I completely agree. Nothing um, to add there. I, I think I've just learned that if you do what you love and you work hard, whatever it is, um, and you go all in and really full-heartedly make, make an effort, that doors will open and things will happen and you can do Whatever you want. Um, My parents were were visiting a few weeks ago from America, and I was joking with them. um, It kind of occurred to me in the moment, but my mom her her biggest passion, what she does now, she's a photographer, so photography is her biggest passion. My father, cooking, is his biggest passion, and here I am, um, taking pictures and cooking and And cooking. cooking and developing recipes for our website. And how cool is that, that your two passions have been passed on to me, and now I'm, I'm doing that and making a life out of that. And I think it made them really happy to to think that I found that. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think drive will come. Drive and ambition will come as soon as you find hmm. whatever it is you're supposed to be doing or that you really, really want
3: that's also a very beautiful way of wrapping this episode up so thank you for uh, taking your time to do this
2: thank you for having us take
3: care of Ixlan we will yeah
2: you should come come pay us yeah I will (laughs) yeah you should you
3: should
2: (laughs) thank you thank Thank you. you
3: Husky is produced in cooperation with Naturkompaniet the music is made by Joel Mull